0: Uh, excited about the series we're in, if you're uh, just fresh to it, we are walking through the book of Philippians. So the New Testament of, of the Bible is uh, has a lot of incredible content. You have the Gospels at the beginning of it, and then you have these letters to churches. And they're written by a few different authors, and we're looking at the one written by Paul to this church in Philippi it was this location where they had never had a church, and he shows up on the scene. Imagine somebody showing up in Bonnie Lake. No church exists. And he starts it from scratch. In fact, there's there's nothing there but random forms of, like, false god worship and different practices that were generations old. And, and he had to start the church along a riverbank and have dialogues with people about Jesus. And those conversations turned into congregations and and, and that started growing, and then others showed up on the scene and, and opposed his teaching, and things got stirred up. And, and so he's writing this book to encourage the church that he had left to their own in Philippi, and uh, he's trying to guide them. And, and we get all kinds of cool instruction for us today from this book. He's actually writing from prison and uh, he sends this letter back as we'll hear next week with one of the churchgoers in Philippi to kind of help get the church back on track. But today uh, we're gonna dive into Philippians 2 and really during this whole series what our emphasis is is looking at what it is to live as a Christian today uh, being a living example of Jesus' story. Like I I am a current work of the power of of the gospel, of the power of the fact that God sent his only son to save sinners. And I myself am a sinner that needs saving. And so he kind of walks out, man, how is the transforming power of personally knowing Jesus impacting the understanding of Jesus in the world around us? Like how are people getting to know Jesus better because we're alive and following Jesus? Here we go. Philippians 2. And we're actually going to go all the way to verse 18, but we're going to break it up into small chunks today, doing it a little different. Uh, Verse 1 says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in his spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Man, do you hear the same language as last week? If you are here last week, we talked about togetherness. And you hear the same tones that Paul continues with here when he's talking about working together with one mind and purpose, agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another. Philippians 2 is often used as the the launching pad for uh, a message on humility. But who needs that when you can just watch a Cougars game? Oh, did that come out? Did I say that? out loud. I was going to not say anything, Cougat. Anyway, I was telling some of the diehard Cougar fans, it's what, I'm, I'm talking about football for most of you in here that don't follow anything to do with the college on the other side of the state. But the uh, well, there was this college football game yesterday, and they blew a 32-point lead. Anyway, uh, so it's called Couging It, right? And uh, they just weren't trending with that hashtag recently, so they made up uh, any... Okay, moving on, moving on. I'll be here all day. Uh, it sure, see, even the sound system wants me to move on right there. What we're going to look at, because this does map out a, a story of humility in the text, but really it's surrounded with this, this unpacking of what it looks like to have joy from belonging to Christ. And that, that joy will result in some, uh, some incredible fruit in our life. So our big idea today is experience the joy of belonging to Christ. Experience the joy of belonging to Christ. And, and the joy of experience, is experienced uh, ultimately, as you'll see here, in belonging to Christ together again. Kind of similar to last week's talk. You can go watch it or listen to it. How many of you have been in church long enough? to realize we use different forms of the Bible when we share scripture. It's one of these weird things. So not only do we try to get you to like, we read out of it every week. This is what our talks are based off of. It's the Bible. But then we put these different references. You'll see like an NLT or an NIV. or a. If you've not gone to Bible school or shopped for Bibles in a Christian bookstore, you might not really get what that is. And and I wanted to take a time out and, and introduce you to what that is just for like a Sunday School on Steroids moment, okay? So you have all kinds of different translations and interpretations of the Bible. And for a long period of time, the King James Version was like the Word of God. Some would argue still today. If you have some old relatives that grew up in the church that it's the only translation, right? Has anybody been told that before? Yes. Uh, Actually, one of the most politically motivated translations. It's really interesting when you read at it, but it's in old language. It's in an old language format, fully accurate, uh, and a translation. It has different iterations over time, New King James Version. Um, And then they came up with other translations Translations that were like word-for-word word accurate, really great for studying, kind of hard to read. Uh, versions like New American Standard Version, the NASB, or ESV, which is kind of a combination between uh, New King James Version and NASB. You know, it's kind of both word-for-word word and phrase-for-phrase. Phrase. Uh, and then you just have these translations that came out in 80s-ish, 70s-ish, lots of scholars came together and said, what if we do phrase-for-phrase translations so that people can understand it a little easier? Let's put it in a language that all can comprehend. And that's when you started getting the new international version, NIV, and the new living translation, NLT. All are perfectly accurate. They just take the Scripture in its original language and translate it to a different group of people that'll understand it, right? And uh, all these are God's word. The Bible says they're useful for teaching, training, and correcting. And, And they're all an equal opportunity offender. I don't know if you read the Bible from cover to cover, it's gonna address whatever you're struggling with. Like your sin will be called out. All of us have temptations, all of us have sins, we're wrestling through, and it'll find them, and it'll offend all of us, you know. So that's why we love preaching through, like right now, a book of the Bible, because we can address all kinds of things we wouldn't just naturally address. We wouldn't naturally unpack. But scripture will allow us to do that. And the reason I address that is, and bring that up, I say all that to say this, uh, we want to appeal to the largest group uh, of, of that have never even heard the scripture walking through the door of open life. Because every week we have guests that either have not been in church for seven or more years or have just never been in church, and they have an incredible neighbor who said, hey, you should come with me to to open life. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, If you're feeling overwhelmed, you'll find true life and peace of mind through a growing relationship with Jesus. Come along, right? And... We want you to understand when we're reading Scripture. So we choose the NLT uh, so that you don't feel confused when we're reading it. And sometimes, though, you'll see us reference other translations. Like in Philippians 2.2, one of the translations, the NIV, reads like this. I mean, we just read it in the NLT, but in the NIV it says, make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love being one in spirit and purpose make my joy complete that's where we get this concept ultimately of joy of belonging to Christ like we have this joy and Paul was not the only one that used that language John used that language. He says, we're writing in 1 John 1, 4, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Jesus said it in a prayer when he was dialoguing with his disciples and teaching them right before he was uh, uh, crucified. He said in John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The intent is we would experience the fullness of joy. And when you take all the different lenses of looking at the original Greek language of Scripture, you see this heart for you to experience joy in your life. And if you're not living a life that is sparked by joy, like marked by joy, identified around you by joy, when you're together as a group in community, if they don't look over and go, that group, something happy going on with those guys, you know, that I think is not inspired by ulterior substances. (laughs) Wow. That that joy is what Jesus wanted us to experience the fullness of. Full joy. And we're going to see how he wants us to experience that together. Uh, To state the obvious, uh, without Jesus, you're not experiencing the complete joy you have access to in life. Like this is a Uh, joy that is found in relationship to other followers of Jesus, those who have made a decision to follow Jesus, have crossed the line of faith and said, okay, I want to experience life and life to the full. Here it is, right? There's something about knowing who you belong to that gives you peace and joy in your spirit. And let there be no doubt. Paul was (laughs) addressing, before we jump into our thoughts, Paul was addressing... Some correction in this text. There was a bit of a lack of unity going on. There were some people stirring the pot of maybe this isn't how we should follow this message of Jesus. Maybe we take all the laws of the Old Testament and still practice those while still trying to live up to the grace of Jesus. And there was all this stuff stirring. And the first few verses are not just vision. They're correcting. There are times in Scripture where we are corrected in our path. And uh, some who were hearing this were probably feeling a little conviction because they know they'd been doing some of the stuff addressed here. And when we read through Scripture, sometimes we'll feel corrected. And we can get mad at God and feel like he doesn't get us, or we can go, man, God, okay, help me live according to your word, right? He was challenging them to be one mind and one purpose, Full unity, true unity, and obviously they weren't living according to that. Jesus wanted it, this joy that he is unpacking, and Paul wanted, in turn, this joy that he was addressing here for you, uh, for for those around you, and he's just waiting for us to like live according to God's word so that others can experience this joy. So the thoughts about this joy, this joy is experienced. Thought one. By taking an interest in others, by taking an interest in others, we all of a sudden find a depth of joy that not only inspires us, it transforms others. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too, it says in verse four. In Corinthians, Paul says it this way. In 1033 of 1 Corinthians, I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Paul's heart is so bent towards those who have yet to cross the line of faith. He just wants them to understand the love of his Savior And he's like, I want all of you to be interested in everyone who needs Jesus around us. The only way we will be fully united and wholehearted, as Paul challenges here at the beginning of Philippians 2, is if we take a deep interest in each other. It's easy to come to a space like church and say hello to everybody, but not really engage in what's happening in life with everybody. Like, what's happening in our lives? What's happening in the lives of those that are around us? What's happening? The good, the bad, the quirks, we're supposed to know each other and love each other and build one another up. Our genuine interest for each other will actually overflow to those around us as we experience unity together. It inspires others who just have never experienced a group of genuine people loving life. Humility is not attractive when it's just one laying down their life for others. It's attractive when there's a group of people living out a life that is laid down for others. I think sometimes in church we do a disservice to the gospel when we think, let's bring a pastor in and he'll evangelize our community, right? or uh, let's, let's bring a professional Christian in to uh, do some services so that uh, I can actually invite my friend to hear about Jesus. God's intent is that we all are co-laboring in this work of sharing the love of Jesus in the world around us, helping those who are hurting around us. It's kind of weird when it's like a professional Christian being the only one handing out invites, Like a genuine spirit of love for Jesus should overflow to our neighbors, our community. Humility is attractive when it's demonstrated among the whole. And the only thing that's gonna cause that to happen is our own personal love and experience with Jesus and the Holy Spirit transforming our lives so much that we can't help but share it. And that's what we come together to press into be inspired by. But then we have to be aware, oh my goodness, there are others going after Jesus around me and I need to know them. These are my people. This is my family, right? So Paul's really going after that. He wants joy to leap. I tell you what's fun. My joy leaps when I go out into the community and I I see, I walk into a room with like a bunch of nonprofits or, or different people who are trying to help where it hurts and needs in the community, and I look, and I see someone from the church sitting there at the table. The other day, Susan, I walk into the Communities for Families, and I I see her there representing another organization in Trilogy Serves, and I was just like, but still, I'm like, there's an open lifer at, another open lifer at the table. That's going to make an impact, right? Right? Now there's multiple people serving. When multiple teachers are in a school, praying for that school, loving on other teachers. When multiple people are in a school district, praying over their schools, believing for transformation. When I walk in and into a a food bank environment and they talk about, oh, there's some volunteers from your church or, oh, someone just signed up to, to stuff backpacks at some of your food bank on Thursday nights from your church and you're just going, people loving their city humbling themselves, taking on the interests and needs of others before themselves. And dream with me, if you will, if all of us were more consistently present in in community, in the lives of others, on mission with Jesus, loving unconditionally, living a life of joy and humility, the ones opening doors for others first, taking an interest in others first. Um, One suggestion for this verse in uh, uh, one of the commentaries I was reading said, it could read like this. Be sure to protect the interests of others and not just your own. How are we doing it? protecting the interests of those around us in our community? Maybe those who need justice. Ma'am, you left your purse. I saw this this week. Somebody left their backpack at Starbucks, and another person grabs it and runs out and hands it to them before they leave. I was like, that's, that's cool, protecting that person's interest. Imagine the panic when you leave your wallet somewhere, and you're like, oh, you know, you just realize that somebody jumps in and prevents that from happening. Maybe it's standing up for somebody who's being bullied at school, or, or, or somebody who's Suffering the wrath of someone, you're like, you know, that's what's happening here is not okay. Can we hit pause? Let's and you you kind of intervene and 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 you're standing up for somebody that that is like you're protecting the interests of others. Considering the conditions and needs of, of those who are aliens among us, scripture talks about the 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 refugees among us, and you're just like, oh now, Pastor Thad, watch out. That's tender, that's a sore subject, right? But that's what the scripture is going after. It's like the, there are people who, when there's justice issues around us, are we thinking of the interest of others before ourselves? It's an interesting process. Philippians two, five through eleven continues. So let's jump back in. It says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Okay. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God. So this is describing his attitude, right, Uh, as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And in, in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the, the glory of God the Father. Thought too, this joy is experienced by having a humble attitude. It starts with the attitude. John Maxwell, great leadership author, I remember him saying in one of his first books, Your attitude determines your altitude. The reality is, the spirit in which you begin determines the height to which you will reach. Let God transform us from the inside out, not from the outside. The gospel is not a behavioral modification tool. It's a heart transformation. God wants our hearts. And that then in turn results in our behavior shifting in alignment with what Jesus lived like. The challenge to grow in our understanding of Jesus so well that we would even take on his attitude is the challenge from Paul here. That's crazy, because I think we're really good at using our circumstances as our excuse. Oh, well, you know, it was the way I was brought up as to why I have a poor attitude. (laughs) You know, even our nationality are like, you know, I'm Italian, so that's why I'm so direct with people. And you're like, wait, 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 really, you know? Or um, I'm from New York, so that's why I call it out like this. Well, what if Jesus gets in your heart? Maybe... You're not so brutal. Paul was challenging that very thing. Don't use your external conditioning to to excuse your internal reality. Your heart has issues if you're mean to people in the name of good. We should love people and be gentle and compassionate. That's what's being challenged here. And our external excuses, we have no excuse for. Paul's challenging us to look at our heart and take on the heart of Christ for those around us. Allow the source of our actions, our attitude, be reshaped by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. That's challenging and not easy to do. Again, it's a teaching for the church, those who had crossed the line of faith. I think oftentimes we come in wanting behavioral modification, but that's not God's first desire. He wants our hearts, and he wants us to experience his heart. He wants our hearts to break for those around us. I just love what this says. Again, if you go out into the community, a united people, every. Uh, every one of us, open lifers, carrying the attitude of Jesus, humbling ourselves as servants of all, I think it will be a powerful witness to the love of God, to our community. This many people go out with first the interests of others and the attitude of Christ, I think it'd be transforming to a community. It'll result in much glory going to God. People don't want to be evangelized by Christians. I could send you out here today with like a script that says, ask people if they've ever been, if they've ever considered, if they were hit by a bus today, where they would end up in their eternity. And you could try to share that script with people and they would feel like they're your project, right? Some would say you're taking advantage of your relationship with them at that point. Maybe more genuine approach would be just consistently growing in our relationship with Jesus in such a way that our heart is compassionate towards their needs, their interests. We live in a way where we don't have an attitude towards their sin. We allow our attitude to be reshaped in the heart and compassion of Jesus. This This is an interestingly difficult teaching that Paul is trying to speak to the Philippian church. And it's speaking to us still today. Don't go targeting people so they feel like a project in your community. Live life to the full amongst people so they want what you have. That's the goal. Genuine purpose exists in your relationship with Jesus. Go out and hang out together. Do groups together. Have fun in community together because that is way more appealing than sending you out on on a project to your neighbors. Become a servant of all because you were served by the one that is for all. It continues in verse 12 of Philippians 2. Dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you and now that I'm away, it's even more important work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear for God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Thought three, this joy is experienced by allowing God to work in you. This joy is experienced by allowing God to work in you. The desire to do what pleases Him, it says. The power to do what pleases Him. Let the results show. That is an interesting instruction the pressure is truly off here in this passage and uh, when I first read this and first came to church at that time um, 20 some years ago, 93, they were reading the New King James Version in our church and kind of poetic but still kind of making the King James crowd happy and, uh, uh, but a little more modern and uh, so I was, I was reading that, and I actually memorized Philippians 2.13 in that translation. It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I still remember it to this day. And why do I remember that? Because I felt like potentially Christianity was going to be a lot of work. I was like, I don't know what in the world this is or how to do it. And so I was like, when I read this passage, the church was preaching on this, and and that passage was in the notes, and I took the notes and I would look at them during the week, and, and I was like, that passage lifted the weight off my shoulders. Like, it's God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Like, this isn't my responsibility to To work, per se, it's my responsibility to surrender to the work of God being done in me. And when you kind of consider the fact that he's working in you already, we kind of almost have to work hard not to follow the way God's leading, right? Like, it's hard to rebel. Isn't that kind of weird to think? Like, it's hard to turn our back on God. We have to work at it to not follow the things he's encouraging us to do. And that was a a, a weight lifted for me when I was 20-year-old starting to read the Bible. Instead of working hard to run from the work of God in your life, we're being challenged here to work hard at letting the results show that we have made a decision to follow Jesus. Let it show that you've chosen Jesus is your Lord and Savior to those around you. I asked myself, what does working hard on allowing God, God's work to show through you, what does that look like? Um, I think it looks like prioritizing moments where we know God can, can transform somebody's life and make a positive impact in people's lives. And and working hard is probably us inconveniencing ourselves and our schedule for that purpose. It's signing up for for serve opportunities that are gonna be a light moment in dark places. Maybe the community Big Give, November 23rd. You can sign up for it on Next Steps page or on the app if you click Next Steps and there's a sign up there. But the reality is that moment when hundreds of people come with a need of a Thanksgiving meal in front of Walmart or down at Sumner High School and we have an opportunity to love them by giving them food, and we unite together with the entire community, something powerful happens. That's a great place for the joy of the Lord to show through, the work of salvation to show through. Oh, I'm showing up at eight o'clock on a cold morning. Why? Because I love people. Because I made a decision to follow Jesus. Do we share Jesus there? No, we love people there. So what else does it look like? Well, maybe it's... Uh, taking your growing faith on a missions trip—it's finding a space where, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my faith on tour, and get out of my comfort zone, and go somewhere where they don't know Jesus and start to share Jesus there. Oh, maybe it's sharing your faith with somebody having a rough time at your workplace, and you offer to pray for them, and not just tell them you're gonna pray for them. Just pause and pray. Maybe it's prioritizing a window of time to grow together, a time that's afforded to you through like a meetup or a group. There's groups that are going live on, on uh, the Next Steps page as well, and, and maybe you find one that works for you or launch one that does so that we can get other followers of Jesus together that are working out this thing called life together around food and prayer and life. Or maybe it's prioritizing showing up to church for those that are new through the door or haven't been for years. The most important time for you to get to know one another is both before and after service. But let me speak to the before. Before service, oftentimes, those that are new to church are the first ones through the door at like 9.45. So I wanna invite you to the pre-show. Uh, seriously if you've made a decision to follow Jesus and you're wondering where to get plugged in we pray at 935 for the service show up join us the coffee's already hot and uh, join us for prayer and be ready just to say not not that we're going to assign you a serve opportunity or on a serve team but but just show up to say hello to those who show up because we have guests every Sunday in increasing measure. And that's one of the most important times for somebody who loves others to say hello, right? It's amazing. How, what are some of the ways we can work to show our salvation? Uh, and then, of course, sign up for a serve team. Walk through the growth track series we preached this spring and, and find where you fit in a place to serve here. If you have questions about that, we can answer them. Boy, there's so many ways to work out our salvation. But let's go to Philippians 2.14. It says this. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Let me read that once more for those who wrestle with it. <laughs> Isn't that the best one? For Parents love this passage. It's your chore day to do the dishes. Hey, wait. First, let me quote Philippians 2.14. In fact, we should put it on the chore chart. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Here's your chores, Right? Okay. Verse 15. It does continue. It says, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean. Isn't that a picture? Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share this joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. It all comes back to this joy. And this joy, thought for, is experienced by living clean lives. The last thing a wicked and crooked generation needs is us complaining about them. (laughs) Right? They don't need us to complain about them. We don't complain about the sin of the world around us and and, and whine about the world around us. No, no. They don't need us to criticize or argue. They need our joy. Our lives should shine the brightest. In John 15, 3, it says it this way. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. There's something about a clean, pure, united with Jesus life that shines brightly to the world. Around us. And it's just pure. Our lives should shine the brightest. And when you live life without the obstructions everyone else has. Without the obstructions others keep welcoming into their life. You shine, you shine in the darkness. Where others are overwhelmed you hold, you hold out hope. There's just something about you that they are like, why are you not faced? Why do you have peace right now? I'm so confused. How are you calm? People may try to dismiss it to personality. Often happens with me. Well, you're just so outgoing. It's like, it's so natural for you. Not by nature, honestly. Like, I'm very content to just sit in my house and binge watch. I've got seasons left of agents for shield that were you know I'm like I'm so far behind we're actually binge watching that my daughters and I it's it's horrible anyway so you know you're just like how do you get through and, and still be a light don't give credit to your personality give credit to the transforming work of the holy spirit in your heart don't let your personality get all the, the glory that should go to God. So that's, when, that's an opportunity for us to shine. And complaining and arguing, they invite criticism. Nothing sorrows God more and makes the devil happier than complaining and arguing. And now we have so many platforms to do it on. It's It's horrible. We cannot use social media to be the complainers. It shows a lack of faith and love for others. It's like saying out loud, I would talk to God about this, but instead I'm going to spew complaints. It's doubt manifested. It often is observed or overheard and very hurtful, misinterpreted even. And thus it stirs up arguments that destroy the witness you've been trying to build with the gospel through your life. So how can we claim to love everyone and be full of complaints about them at the same time? That's a confusing message to the world. And we need to challenge ourselves. Man, people can sense what we say about them behind closed doors when we're in front of them. So let's not say complaining and arguing things about them behind closed doors. Let's be focused on prayerful living for them so that we can be for them and not against them. So we can be for people finding and following Jesus, living according to the word. It's not worth complaining and arguing, says somebody who doesn't like to argue. (laughs) I'm just like, you know, let's be the peacemaker. I'm constantly, well, okay, kids, everybody wants the same chair. Who's going to be the peacemaker? Dad, I'm always the peacemaker. That's a good trait. Come on. Living according to the word illuminates your life. It illuminates your church when we all are living according to your word. It gives the bride of Christ, the church, it gives him glory. And it helps us live life to the full. Our action thought today is share in the joy of a useful faith. Isn't that what Paul just called it? You know, don't live a life that's complaining and arguing and useless. Live one that's useful. Share in the joy of living a life, of being a living expression of Jesus, both in community and amongst one another. Let's get to know one another. Let's be people that hold firm To the examples laid up here for us to follow in the word of God. So what does that mean we're going to need to do? Well, we're going to need to make a decision to follow Jesus. Because we don't want to try to do it on our own strength. When we choose to follow Jesus, that's when his power begins. Remember Philippians 2.13? His power begins to work in us to do and to will for his good pleasure. That's when we find the purpose we're so eager to find. It's when we surrender to Jesus. That's the first step if we want to share in this joy. But then we need to take action on working hard with our faith. Your action may be to check the groups box on your connect card. Your action may be to, to launch a group. Your action may be to join a serve team. Your action may be to show up at 935 for a prayer and then just be a presence of those who love Jesus when people walk through the door next Sunday. We want you to experience the joy of a useful faith, those belonging to Jesus. That's why we're gonna pray over you today. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to rent Bonnie Lake High School and lift up Jesus in our city, right in the center of the city. I pray that, Lord, today all of us who showed up would find ourselves inspired by this challenge written to a church thousands of years ago because it's so applicable for today. We need to find and follow Jesus, each of us. And so if there are some here today that have made their way through the doors, through the invite of a friend or online, and they're saying, I need to make that decision today to to choose to follow Jesus, to invite him to be my Lord and Savior. I just want to provide that moment. It's as simple as this. If that's you, just say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. I want to grow in a relationship with you. Help me, help me every step of the way. And God, with those who just prayed that and those who have prayed that in the past, all of us in this room, would you inspire us to work hard at surrendering to you? Work hard at our salvation, being evident to the world around us. Whatever that means for us. Whatever next step it is for us, plugging into a group, a serve team, finding our place, out in community serving others, may we not let our personalities get the glory you deserve. But Lord, we want to be that example of joy to the world around us, of calm within the storm, of a helping hand when others are running away. Help us to be the servants of all, the lovers of all, not the complainers of all. Let us love people as you love us. Open our hearts up even more today. Give us not only a greater love and awe for you, but a greater love for the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.